to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this, episode 175 of The Big Red Couch, the final chapter, as it were, of first edition Big Red Couch. Here, seated upon a cheap wooden chair from Ikea, I am Craig, and on the other side of the world, in the luxury that is afforded by the Big Red Couch Global Headquarters... Eh, it's, it's not that plush. But yes, the writers completed. All of the, the prophecies have come to pass. Here we are, 175. Woohoo, it's Ben. He, him pronouns, sitting out here in... Good old Tamaki Makaro, a.k.a. Auckland. How has it been going, Craig? This, we have made it to our arbitrary benchmark slash milestone. How do you feel about that? Tired? Um, yeah, tired, a little bit sniffy, and, and, and filled with horrifying substances. Though that is less to do with the, the end of um, first edition Big Red Couch and more to do with having been at a technical conference a week and a bit ago and still recovering from being in a building with 2,000 people and all of their associated diseases. <sighs> Satan and all his little wizards. I mean, yes, but I did get a free water bottle out of the deal. So, yeah, swings and roundabouts. Indeed, indeed, yes. Here at the end, it is a... Well, this is a, as a this is you know as the 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 death arcana major arcana in tarot does not mean death death it means cool skeleton and change or something or it means death. Um, I think it depends on how annoyed the customer seems to be. At least according to Terry Pratchett. <laughs> Indeed, we are we're on the cusp of a glorious metamorphosis into something. Something? We don't know. That's part of the process, unfortunately. We have to go into the cocoon and turn into some sort of biological slurry first. So, if you need any more distressing description of our um, our process in the uh, the podcasting lab, I don't know what's wrong with you. I I mean, just the sort of turning into a disgusting biological slurry. I'm just looking at the the heap of discarded tissues over by the bin and thinking, that process may already have occurred, but um, okay. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. I'm keeping that one in. (laughs) That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So here we are, um, here in in the the glorious United Kingdom. Uh, We are mere days away from celebrating the pla- the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, um, celebrating 70 years on the throne of a, a British monarch. It's the first time a British monarch has, has got that far, so well done, Liz. Hmm. New high school. <laughs> yes, indeed. New high school. Yes, which I think mostly means for a lot of people that we get a four-day weekend. And they opened up a new tube line. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Hmm. And, and and somewhere, somehow, sales uh, the some bunting supplier is going to have a very good sort of second half of the year. Oh God, yes, yeah. There is. This is going to sound bad, and I'm just embracing <laughs> that now. The I think Working Man's Club. I think that's what 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 it is. Directly beside my local pub has just gone platinum jubilee mad. So there are little union flags everywhere and they have replaced the board that used to say the name of the club. I think it was the Victoria Club. Now it's, it's, it's got a, um, you know, the, the, the very classic sort of here is, here, here is a tavern um, sign has been replaced with uh, Platinum Jubilee stuff. So it's possible they're rebranding to, I don't know, the Elizabeth Club, maybe? Not sure. So yes, they've they've gone they they've they've gone into that good and hard and uh, may have bought up most of the bunting supplies of the local area. I don't know if anywhere else in the world has bunting. Well, certainly the the uh, levels that uh, the UK um, manifests on occasions like this. 
Mm. Hopefully, hopefully they don't call it things like bunting. I mean, it is it is an important occasion. You know, for all that it's quite fun to take the piss. You know, it's 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 a pretty solid achievement being on the English throne for seventy years, not annoying too many people in the process. That's pretty unusual. I don't think we've got a lot of Royal Watcher content in us, to be honest, so that's happening. No. No, I I don't really know that much. Yes, I don't really know that much about the the comings and goings of the Royal Family. Most of the news of late have mostly been about the dodgy behaviour of one specific member of the Royal Family, the exact identity of whom can be left up to a incredibly casual uh, Google search should do the job. Uh, let's just say Pizza Express and not sweating. Not a finest moment. No, no, not, 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 not the most plausible moment in, uh, in, in media history. But speaking of implausible moments in media history, we have an episode to do. Indeed, indeed. We don't, in fact, the, the, the catastrophic incantations will not be complete unless we actually com- uh, close out the, the last prompt. So... We should get onto that, shouldn't we? Oh, we may as well. So, so we we have in epic big red couch form a double prompt for this one because two prompts came in exactly equal in the polls, and so we thought, what the hell? Let's just crash them together and see what happens. And so, from Terry, we have the prompt "Gangsters of Dreams," and from Kinemono, aka John, we have "Goose Dusa." which we assume is a portmanteau of Goose and Medusa. If it's not, um, we have completely messed up. Yeah. I mean, I do remember there was an image at one point of a goose with multiple heads, which I think is more of a mm. gecko hydra. Yeah, mm. but um, that said, I have also managed to find images of just a woman with multiple geese necks and heads on her head, which... Feels like just like a feathery version of that character from uh, Monsters, Inc. Photoshop was a mistake. Yes, a little bit. Oh, not Mike Wachowski, the, um, the secretary? Yeah. Cecilia? Celia? Something like that? Something like that. Hmm. Fair enough. So, Craig's going to have come up with multiple ideas. So, shall we... We have multiple prompts. It's valid on this specific occasion. (laughs) So, children, shall we get him to do one of his ideas, and then we'll do, then we'll see how that how that goes. Fair enough, then. All right, I, I feel seen. I feel noticed. I'm not sure if that's a good thing, <laughs> but I feel noticed. My role in this podcast has finally been acknowledged as a kind of annoying pain in the ass. Yeah, I feel like that was already known. Yeah, you have a brand. That's fair. And my brand is to make fun of that brand, apparently. <laughs> All right. So how do we drag generation ships into this? No, wait. Um... Nice. Calling back. Oh, oh, there is so many callbacks here. Actually, both of my ideas are callbacks. So I'm going to leave it up to Ben. Do we want the more recent callback first or do we want the older callback first? I think we have to go to the more recent one. So you say okay. our, our, our newer... Uh, less hardy and uh, battle scarred <coughs> listeners will have something to to cling to as the, we shoot them down the log flume of faux nostalgia for the last nine years of stupid wittering. That was beautiful. Can I go into a rhythm there? I'm not, not, not sure yeah. how. Yeah, the log flume of faux nostalgia. I mean, that's, 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 that's lovely. And it involves lumberjacks, so, you know, come on. Got a Dexter reference mm. right there. Um, yeah. Okay, so... This one is for Goose Juicer, and I suspect, like, an enormous number of people, I, I sort of... <sighs> I'm, I'm imagining a, a Goose Hydra more than Goose Juicer. Just I'm, because I confess it, I am, too. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Like like a Cerebus Goose. Yeah. Mm. I, th- I, I, I remember there was an image. And it probably came out about the time of the untitled, untitled Goose game? Just... Maybe? Maybe. There was... There was a lot of goose energy, so... There was. There was a lot of honking. Hmm. Anyway, I still haven't played that. I don't actually have a computer that will will reliably run that, so I I should, like, do something about that. 
Or just wait and see whether my workplace actually noticed that I've never returned my old laptop when I got the new one. And yeah, maybe maybe they just don't need it. I don't know. Um, hmm. We'll see. They probably want it. Anyway, so goose juicer. Um, so this one is a callback to our episode Ruins of the Ancients. Mm-hmm. Where I had pitched the idea of tiny little human beings finding out that this this legend of the kindly giants who who carried them to to their world and protected them when when the sky caught fire was in fact memories of the researchers who were involved in this project to miniaturize human beings when just the environment completely collapsed and the acid rain started in um, in earnest carried these um you know carried these people to a prepared terrarium and basically died along the way hmm and you know that that game was all about um, these tiny people discovering a quite literally much bigger world, and so this kind of builds on that, but in a fairly tongue in cheek way. This is the you know that game was sort of the 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 sort of survival and exploration and discovery game. This is a slightly more comedic take on it. If I were pitching it in terms of a of a movie or a show. I wouldn't go any darker than Secret of Nim, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. I'd probably go a little bit lighter than that. So something like the original Valley of the Giants, or was it Land of the Giants? Like the, the 60s TV show? Yeah. Yeah, Land of the Giants. Yeah, something like that. Something where where there are threats, but the threat gets driven off rather than destroyed kind of deal. And mostly this came down to me thinking, Goose Juicer. Kind of sounds like transducer. What the hell does a transducer do? So this, yeah, the the these sort of these ruins of the ancients, these these remnants of the old world, the place where the kindly giants um, took them from, or, or saved them from, wasn't the only structure there. There are many mm. other ruins and structures in that area, filled with wondrous and dangerous things, because basically. The end of the world was coming. And so there was this project to, okay, can we miniaturize human beings enough to, can we miniaturize human beings enough to reduce the load on the environment and the planet and buy ourselves some time? That was this project. Mm. Or at least reduce the load on the life support systems that they needed to survive. Indeed. And so this, this whole area was a research park, almost a, a sort of a, a research generator for last gasp, desperate attempts to save the world, or to save humanity, or to save something. It was very much a, if this thing has any chance of working, we'll give you a building and some budget. That kind of deal. Basically, mad scientist playground. And so, as our uh, intrepid tiny little explorers sort of get out of their valley, discover discover this, this new world out um, out there... And discover the other inhabitants of the world. And so, you know, the highly intelligent rodents were a problem at first. But after they made friends with the small ones, that allowed them to make a truce with the bigger ones. Hmm. But the highly intelligent felines are becoming more of a problem. Because, well, and, but it's a shared problem. Because they kind of view everything smaller than them as prey. Hmm. And so... Both the humans and the highly intelligent mice and the highly, highly intelligent rats, they all have this issue to deal with. And the big rodents found a machine in one of the um, the various ruined buildings. And from what the documentation seems to suggest, the machine claims to be able to, to grow creatures from patterns and to modify those creatures to make them a little bit more biddable and leadable. This is where the transducer things comes in, because apparently the deucer bit of it uh, comes from a, a root word meaning to lead or to guide. So that's that's my fairly flimsy rationale for this thing. And so sort of looking through the, the various bits of documentation, clearly the idea here was that this was a machine that could be used to build creatures that maybe had gone extinct, so that you could you could bring them back, presumably once the, the ecosystem had recovered. And so the various researchers went looking through the archives, trying to find something that seemed like it would be 
scary enough to deal with the increasingly predatory felines, but not such a huge problem that you'd basically just be jumping out of the frying pan into a much bigger frying pan. And so they found references to this creature of such terrifying cunning that the ancients built simulations of its behaviours so they could better understand how to control it. And these simulations were sort of at the level where they would get their children to play these, play with these simulations to understand the threat presented by this creature. But at the same time, the creature sort of seemed like it probably wasn't going to view them as food. So hmm. okay. they're, they're, in with a, they're in with a plan here. And so, yeah, well, they didn't fully understand how to use the machine, but they kind of got the idea. They were able to put the, the information, information together and they were able to get it to produce one of these creatures. It took a lot of biomass to, to be able to do this, but they did it. And the creature has a lot more necks and heads than any of the images they've found. But it does certainly seem to be smart enough to understand what it is they need it to do, and it does seem to be willing to help. So basically, uh, unpacking all of that that rubbish, they effectively found a copy of the Untitled Goose Game, mm-hmm. decided this is the sort of thing we need to deal with this cat problem that we have, put together the information, got it slightly wrong, and so what they've built is basically a multi-headed intelligent goose, or more intelligent goose, that is kind of willing to help out. And admittedly, part of this just came from the image that I rather liked of sort of, you know, you've got sort of a, a cat colony of the, the highly intelligent cats because somebody decided that cats needed to be made smarter, <laughs> presumably because they've never had a cat. And so, you know, you've got this, this cat colony doing whatever they're doing. And then on a wall somewhere, you've got sort of a bunch of tiny little human heads pop up and look around. And then behind them, but interspersed, is multiple goose heads mm. popping up with the look of raw cunning that only a goose has. <laughs> and what's the nature of the game? Presumably you, you start post-goose goose cre- sort of generation and, you know, training. There was some sort of terrible, you know, there's a bit of a confusion with the bioprinter and you wound up with more goose neck than you needed. Yeah. Yeah, they were hoping for multiple geese. What they got was... One goose with multiple biting implements. And, you know, you're not going to turn your nose up at that. Indeed. So, it's the, so it is, is it a campaign of, of wily terror against the, um, the uh, cat overlords? I think it's a, a, camp- a, a campaign of wily terror. It's... Uh, I would pitch... I, I would do it as a reasonably low stakes... A, a reasonably low stakes battle game that mm. you're going to have an amount of spying because clearly the, the you know the cats are up to something I'm, I'm thinking the cats are at at the level where tool use and machine use is an option for them if they weren't so incredibly lazy indeed because cats but yes this is i would do this as a comedy game so i would I think I would almost start it at the moment that the goose deucer is revealed from the drifting smoke of the machine. Because there's always drifting smoke. We've all seen mm-hmm. the fly. Come on. Mm-hmm. Jeff, drifting smoke, smoke, recording of Jeff Goldblum for some reason. And basically negotiating with the goose, getting on board with the goose, and then figuring out a plan. Because you've got this goose, and it's pretty terrifying, but there's actually only one of it. You really don't have the capacity to build another one. So... You can't just send it into battle. You're going to have to be a little bit clever about it. And the end goal, I suspect, is a negotiated, okay, cats stay over there, we stay over here, you, you stop eating us. Or you'll, you'll, be, you'll be getting goosed again. Fair enough. Okay. So it's a sort of a political strategic deployment of, of power and, and subterfuge to make them think there are more gooses than there possibly are. Ooh, Nice. A demonstration of strength to keep them keep them at bay. Mm, interesting. And terrifying multi hole. <laughs> so yes, that is that. That was my silly idea. Yeah, no, no, it's pretty good. Really, I am put into mind of the Old World Blues section slash DLC for Fallout New Vegas, where a bunch of brains in jars have been come up with really useful and good experiments to protect the uh, 
the homeland in spite of the horrifying nuclear war happening hundreds of years previously hmm. and them doing super useful things like genetically fusing coyotes and rattlesnakes into the completely benign and helpful night stalker <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah also they made the the was it the cross between uh a tarantula wasp and possibly more tarantulas and wasps um so it's just a flying tarantula wasps okay that's bad yeah yeah they they, they have instilled in me a fear reaction um they're, they're very bad news but yes they, and so they're, they're happily doing the mad science thing from inside their jars their, their floating jars and um having notionally having a, a a science park which has come up with things like that on the the, the uh, eve of destruction sounds kind of um, interesting and while it's the other way around I've recently been reading a book written by a friend a, a acquaintance of the show which is called Calwin Rising by William Dimmock Johnson and that has the the larger the humans are larger than the average intercell inter species and the, 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 the intergalactic um, ideology slash power that, that encountered them first and helped them out of their primitive ways has been using them as shock troops because, well, it's, it's similar to the, uh, a little bit like the Uplift series, but a little bit like the Space Orcs, uh, Humans are Space Orcs <sighs> thing. Is it, the, the humans are Space Ogres a little bit. And yes, the shenanigans carrying on and that have been amusing me amusing me quite a lot so yes and uh, shout out to William for putting this little tale of it's sort of a Harry Harrison-esque humans doing th the doing the thing that humans do best in the face of a bunch of um, different species so yes it's quite a quite a fun uh, quite a quite a fun tale so they're having that sort of thing where the humans are the having to be like kind of the the, the manipulators and the um definitely working from a, a a situation of having less raw strength sounds quite interesting a mind to what sort of system you might want to use or um mm. be appropriate for for this because the scale is the scale is interesting and you know because obviously conflict between um a, i mean the humans and the cats or even the um the frisbeeites might be um might be short-lived i would want to go with something yeah I, to, to sort of lean into the comedy of the whole thing i would want to go with something that that puts sort of character death if not off the table then incredibly unlikely hmm. so one of yeah one of your, your miscellaneous fate variants probably isn't a bad starting place yeah. just because there are yeah. ways you can you can work around it and i don't particularly want to do a game where a tribe of tiny little humans massacre a bunch of hyper intelligent cats or vice versa or vice versa yes and yeah you can work some of the um inequalities between the groups into the templates that you're making for mm. something like that but you can also say all right we are doing something we're going to to like set up an advantage of this sort and then use the goose to distract them and drive them this way kind of thing yeah that would make a fair amount of sense the only other yeah. way i could think of of maybe doing it is like a very deeply into the narrative or having it almost something along the lines of a almost like a mech simulator except your mech is this <laughs> it's almost a game of ogre in fact the idea that you know, you've got you've got the um the death goose and you're um you're you're getting it from one place to another or disrupting the the cat's sunny sleeping spots so that you um so that you put them off balance so you have some mm. missions of those sorts yeah ogre being the game of uh, from the 80s where you have a one of the one of the ogre ai driven super tanks versus a bunch of smaller like tanks and ground effect vehicles and humans in suits who are very very easily run over by this giant war machine which would be kind of interesting but also way more um board gamey I guess it would it would be way more way, yeah that would be way more of a tactical game but yeah um, mm. you know the idea of the this this multi-headed goose with multiple 
multiple saddles inexplicably mounted on the necks, each one with its own um, uh, its own human. That that makes it a little bit Captain Planet esque, or a little bit. Um, I think about it. Uh, if each of the in fact each of the 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 gooses heads had like a personality and you could sort of play it a bit like the Hiram McDaniels character from was Hiram McDaniels who was literally a five-headed dragon and that was that was used every time the character was introduced and done by one of the voice actors from Venture Brothers who did all of the voices because those people are insane yeah they were each of them had different personalities because it was radio show it was all done by voice but there could be you could actually kind of give the the goose heads different aspects and you're trying that to like, be entertaining. Yeah, it might be a it might be a thing of configuring your goose appropriately <coughs> before you go into a situation to deal with um, mm. to deal with something. So yeah, that could be that could make the really put the uh, the goose into the um, into the situation that way. Also, the fact that it can fly. Ooh, yeah, that's terrifying. This, the terror of goosey wing beats in the night. Mostly because I'm now just imagining a goose fitted with multiple sets of carefully constructed night vision gear. <laughs> anyway, so yes, that was my pitch for Goose Deuce. Not a serious game, and not intended as a serious game. And given that, um, given the uh, prompt, not a shocker that. Fair enough. <laughs> so, I had a bit of an idea which I managed to fuse the two together and not directly reference any of our old material and other than the fact that in the preceding 174 plus episodes i probably use these ideas at least once so gangster's dreams plus gusdusa it's a little bit literal but i was going to go with the idea of dream prohibition hmm. for some reason in the 1920s that has been made necessary that society make dreaming illegal there is a, a broadcast, some sort of science ray that means that it, people, you know, affected by this ray, just do not have dreams. It just doesn't happen. But people, um, uh, people, no, obviously, are missing this. It feels like it's, it feels like attack on their personal um, liberties. It mean it feels, you know, sort of artistically or creatively stifling. So people have gone into like getting around these laws. they they these these are these gangsters are peddling access to dreams you know they're known as z-leggers or z-z-z-z-leggers and they operate sleepies and so forth nice places where you can be shielded from the the emissions that that capture that you know prevent people from dreaming or you know distilling people's dreams possibly the horrible some sort of horribly exploitive way so that people can you know can experience these things again and there's obviously they're obviously not fine upstanding citizens and there are there are you know there are groups the the, you know, the the equivalent of the untouchables it's like a terrifying elliot ness kind of character looking for these people and trying to stop their illegal and immoral activities however my conjecture in this situation that there is there is a, a reason that the the, you know, the government has decided to place this you know put the two to affect these dream suppression laws and technologies and it's actually worse than the you know terrible dull leaden uh existence that people suffer underneath the dream prohibition there's something horrifying trying to get through or is it so yeah a bit of cthulhu mythos we're kind of rubbing off on this one but the idea that it's actually kind of a, a conspiracy from two ends that the the government has been compromised to an extent and and, and you know, in the in the final analysis, people have uncovered some stuff, and like the disaffected group from within the mobsters, and like this, and some some defecting FBI agents join forces to try and actually tackle the problem. Because maybe, I mean, maybe you know, paranoid anti-government stuff's not not the idea at the moment, but maybe it's all uh, a stopgap. There's no it, there's no plan to go forward from this. But this you know this this group of People who have you have been tussling over trying to break or maintain these laws realize there's something more serious going on, something something more terrible in the background. And yes, of course, it takes the the, the form of some nightmarish goose kind of um, uh, Medusa apparition. So yeah, the idea that that is the 
the terrifying thing that lurks beyond the veil of sleep that they're trying to keep out. The party is kind of as this hastily forged alliance to go and try and strike this thing down and maybe return the world to normal. Ha! And, yeah, you could probably run it with a Call of Cthulhu. It could be a Call of Cthulhu adventure and a kind of wacky version of a, of, of that reality or anything where you can attach a pretty solid, uh, you know, sort of consequences-based action system to that. And, you know, rather than sanity, you might be dealing with exhaustion or something similar. Definitely a track of um, people getting more and more uh, sleep-deprived and uh, things becoming more and more difficult as they uh, track down the origin of this this terrifying menace would be would be fairly interesting. I like it. I mean, it's certainly in the late, later bits of, of Crazy Uncle Howie's writing, um, there were... Mm the various dreamlands stories i mean a the dream quest of unknown karath comes unerringly to mind which is from from memory is literally a story of somebody going on a dreaming quest to be able to dream about a particular thing again hmm that spooky temple cats as well doesn't it not that uh yeah Mr. Lovecraft is a big fan of cats, but okay. <laughs> no, just imagine what the the Lovecraft mythos had um, would have been would have been like if he'd he'd been like attacked by geese at some point. And so rather than sort uh. of writing about sort of racial mixing Art Nouveau and seafood, he was instead writing about racial mixing Art Nouveau and geese and pate or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Like no, I mis- I misremembering. He didn't. He didn't have an aversion to cats. He had a cat, and he gave it. A terrible slur for a name. That's right. Yeah. So I stand corrected. <laughs> it's more on brand. Yeah, sadly. All right. Cool. So I I don't I don't really other than kind of really wrapping together the Roaring Twenties, but making it like a dark city style kind of dystopia of that nature. With these this uh, bleak grey sort of people with it was without the sort of the the inspiration i mean maybe alcohol is legal but you know people just drink it to to lose consciousness rather than you know they're trying to mm. and every you know everything is sort of like a a leaden kind of uncreative and kind of dreary world and while the uh the zed leggers are trying to uh, are, are peddling these these you know these things it's 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 temporary and it's obvi- it obviously feels like it's a disconnection from uh, a more a more natural state so yeah and so yeah the uh the battle to bring good wholesome sleep back yes and the, yeah, the entire thing is sort of like you, know, you can't have a nightmare if you never dream kind of thing but taken to weird society spanning extremes that's pretty cool, and I'm just yeah going going with a sort of a twenties thirties vibe. So presumably this this hasn't been around for people's entire lives. It will be people no. who remember dreaming, and will presumably mem- remember the the construction of the the sort of the sleep science ray mm. uh, facilities dotted across uh, dotted across the nation. I mean the whole. Dark City, or is it The Observers from Fringe? Yeah, a little bit like that. Mm. A sort of suit-wearing, not grey in appearance, but grey in personality. Mm. They're, they're kind of like men in black with no eyebrows and, and sort of like a tasteful grey instead. <laughs> mm. That's That's quite fun, because... You, I'm just sort of thinking about the, the weird complications you can throw in there because presumably, mm. presumably this threat, whatever it is, became sort of became known and was acted on relatively quickly. Presumably, it's limited to just the country, or or maybe everywhere else is doing this exact same thing, or dealing with di- differently and with better or greater effects. And maybe mm. you can give us a like hint that this is kind of something happened during the First World War that caused this to come about. Maybe they were trying some sort of yeah. psychological warfare with this, and it's all kind of unraveled and, and blown back. Went horribly wrong. 
Hmm. Okay, so shades of um, shades of the the book, the haunting of Elizabeth Cray, and that that one. Yeah. Because the uh, spoiler spoilers abound, but from memory in in that one, basically mythological or supernatural creatures sort of started appearing and preying on people or preying on the world and it was sort of related back to effectively World War One and kind of industrial industrialized warfare opening up basically just an entirely new realm of horrors. Right. Sort of a Hellboy-esque kind of summoning that, that dark That kind forces. of thing. Yeah, it was more yeah. of a, psych- a, a psychic or psychological thing, but mm, um, mm. yeah, that that sort of deal. And maybe a little bit like Jacob's Ladder, the, the James Spader film with a returning soldier has these nightmarish visions. Still, a very creepy film uh, to this day. It's like and and that went on to inspire think games like Silent Hill and so forth. So the idea that yeah, that maybe there's something and 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 that one it, it's implied loosely that it was something that happened at the war or it is it was happening during the war or some sort of some sort of internal world but yeah that could be it could be a sort of a self-inflicted punishment by the society and that would be a good way to feed into like characters backstories if you have this group of folks who had got to treat this you know the the return servicemen and the you know the the horrors of war and traumas inflicted could a bit more compassionately but yeah the idea that that might be part of the the things that they're wrestling with and maybe it's magnified for them but they've dealt with it to some degree so they're actually going in there and dealing with these shades maybe the goose mm. being the um you could bend it back to it's like to some some symbol or some sort of relic or icon or something that happened to like get projected into this 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 you know psychic maelstrom our uh, the original apocalypse world setting that is messing everything up i also something you could do if this the if this thing is a sufficient threat because presumably they're 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 stopping it from affecting the population but it doesn't mean it's going away if anything it might mm, be getting yeah. it worse so i'm kind of imagining the imagining the circumstance of our heroes sort of out to do a thing and then some disaster occurs that takes out the local, um, you know, the broadcasting system for a small town. And so they're mm. suddenly faced with the situation of, we need to get that dream suppressor back online, or this entire area is going to fall into madness and horrors. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you could also play with like a dual reality kind of thing, like the werewolf, Ooh, nice. uh, the umbra. Yeah. Some sort of things, things work differently. On the well, the upside down, considering we're about to have the um, or have just had the unholy terror of season four of Stranger Things inflicted on us. I still haven't watched season three. Mm. I am currently watching season one of Lock and Key, so yeah. That is, I never knew what to think about that show. It didn't grab me so much, but I wouldn't think it was bad. Yeah, it's got its, it's got its charms, I guess, but. Hmm. Yes, I, I I will say with the show Lock and Key, if your weird younger brother is telling stories about the creepy well lady, but also seems to have knowledge about the magic keys, pay more attention to what your younger brother is saying. Just saying, people. Come on. If you've had indisputable proof of keys with weird supernatural powers, yeah, you should probably pay attention to shit like that. Yeah, but sit down, get him to tell the complete story, don't get little bits of it. I know you're teenagers, but come on. Traumatized <laughs> teenagers, surrounded by traumatized adults. There was a lot of trauma in that show, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I am quite liking the whole, what actually happened here? Mm. Uh, but in any case, so I, I like that. I like the, um, so you'd be, you'd be thinking of setting it sort of, are you thinking a 20s, 30s vibe because really nothing much has changed, or are we still in the 20s and 30s? Um, it might be... It, again, it might be like a Dark City thing where it feels like a 20s slash 30s setting, but no one's entirely sure anymore. Okay. Maybe stuff has just kind of ground to a halt to a degree, 
while the um the the you know the dream suppressor is running stuff does you know doesn't <laughs> this might be a uh, lockdown metaphor but you know things don't seem to be like time isn't proceeding in the same way things don't seem as significant so stuff is a bit dark. it would definitely have the the trappings i think it would make sense to be a mm. uh, a roaring 20s or 1930s kind of gangland feel it's almost giving me dark conspiracy vibe because that mm, had yeah, that, yeah. the baseline setting for that kind of had the yeah in a lot of ways technology has drifted back a bit mm. except in this case it's, it never really got there so you've probably got high sort of areas where things haven't stood still quite as much but not that many of them that's that's pretty i do like this this is quite a fun idea mm. harrowing but fun <laughs> yeah cool so there's less goose in that one than I would have hoped but mm, yeah see if we can bring it around with Craig's second idea about Gangsters of Dreams and I'm glad that you have gone oh no that was my idea all along um, <laughs> and still a match no there. no fortunately it was it was not no so this one this one for Gangsters of Dreams is also a callback it is a callback to episode one of the Big Red oh, Couch. Wow. And that was Alcatraz? It was. Well remembered, sir. It was, my goodness. That's gone back a ways. So Indeed. It was from your from your idea on that one? Not really from not really from anyone's specific idea, I don't think, for that one. Uh, okay. for anybody who, who wants to go back and listen to that. The first couple of episodes, and I mean specifically episode one and two, so Alcatraz mm. and Mexico is missing an island, it really took us until, I, I feel, took us until episode three, which I think was Star Dot Star, before we kind of figured out what worked mm. on this show for this format. That coming along with half an idea worked better than here is a complete essay which I will read to you. And so yes, those, yeah. those first episodes weren't... I'm not going to say they weren't our best, because... Because at the time, they were. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, yeah Alcatraz was absolutely at, our best episode, ever, at that time. At the time, yes. <laughs> but yeah, they were... They, 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 they didn't have the, the, the back-and-forth kind of thing that we've developed now and turned into our brand, or what we laughingly call our brand. So... <laughs> My brand. Sorry. Indeed. So what we've, what we've got is this, that we're, we're putting this... We're going a bit dystopian... And we're putting this a little bit into the future. I think thematically this would work reasonably well with young people and teenagers, but there's no reason it wouldn't work outside of that age group. It's just that if you're going dystopian and this has a certain amount of sticking it to the aforementioned man, teenagerness kind of works well for that. Mm, both. Both from the the point of them it being like youth for rebellion and out of the mouth of babes kind of thing, they're not bought into the system. A little bit, yeah. So, work pro- yeah, prison work programs and the idea of getting prisoners to do work are problematic. The mm. abuses historically and currently, massive abuses of this have occurred and are still occurring. With that in mind. Putting offend, yeah, putting offenders into into sort of work programs is not considered to be that great by a lot of places. But once teleprison systems became sufficiently widespread, it was much easier to make the argument that it's not it's not really work. They're sitting in a pod connected to to electronics. They're not they're not moving. They're not using their muscles. There's no inherent level of risk to them. It's not like they're actually doing the construction or the litter picking or anything. They're guiding a bot. And mm. so it's it's not really work. It's not really a risk. If anything, it's vocational. And so it, you, know, you could make the argument, particularly if you've got teenage offenders, that, well, again, it's, it's vocational. We're not, we're not working teenagers. This is training. So it's okay. And sort of, if you extend that thought, it's like prisons are expensive. But if you had the ability to just leave the inmates in their pods all of the time, you don't need 
anywhere near as much space and you don't need anywhere near as many staff. And if the prison that they're experiencing, sort of their, their, their off-work phase, is also simulated and the simulation is good enough, then your prison can be as big and as nice as it needs to be. In fact, you know, if you did it right, the prisoners might never even know that they were still in the pods. They might think that at the end of their working shift, they they get out of the pod and they go and they go to their nice cell that's probably modelled on one of the Norwegian or miscellaneous Scandinavian um, prison systems, and they they talk with the counsellors and that kind of thing who are just remote again or are possibly just an expert system. They might never need to know that they are basically just sitting in a pod with um, their muscles occasionally being um, zapped with a. A, a low dose of electricity just so that they're not completely boneless by the time their their sentence is up. And so with that as the setup, we we have the um sort of the the, the, the overarching setup, but the setup for the characters is you know it's weird that it took the advent of telepresence prison labour to reopen Alcatraz at the rock. But apparently deep cold water is perfect for keeping servers cool. And that island is surrounded by deep, cold water. And Carjacker Dave says he grew up near San Francisco. And he reckons that they must have taken out a bunch of the tidal generators that are in the bay to make the prison more secure. So that you couldn't just jump from one to another in order to escape. And as a prison, it's not too bad. The food's kind of tasteless, but you don't starve. And they'll let you do pretty much anything you like when you're not working. Like The guards don't really give a shit, and even the vocational guidance people yeah, kind of lay back and chill about it. But lately, it's it's been interesting that they've been noticing a lot more of the guidance type. That, yeah, Phil the dealer reckons that they are probably old criminals who have been sent to scare people straight or something, but Grievous Bodily Harm Dave doesn't necessarily believe that. He says there's, there's there's something a little bit weird about these guys that he's never seen them arrive on the floor or leave the floor. They're just kind of there or they're not. They're never on a fixed schedule. And this is a prison. Nothing happens without a schedule. Hmm. And there's one of them named Clarence and he seems okay. And he's got like very much got an edge to him and takes absolutely no shit from anybody. But him and his buddy Frank have been really good at pointing out where all of the old plans that, that got, you know, got people arrested in the first place went wrong and yeah gbh dave claims to be avoiding all of the guidance from the folks that he can but there's 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 one of these these sort of older guys named al who the rest don't seem to like very much but they've been he's been teaching gbh dave how to play the banjo for some reason and the rest of the counselors don't really seem to mention these guys or even seem to know that they're there which is odd but then again, these 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 guys do tend to show up like after after hours or at breaks. So maybe it's just a different team. And basically, what you've got are ghosts, projections. Not really sure of former inmates of this simulated prison who are oh. reaching out to the current inmates of the simulated prison. Uh, by by way of the references, there Al is of course Al Capone. Uh, who apparently got special permission to practice the banjo in the shower block. Uh, Clarence and Frank are two of the three um, Alcatraz escapers. Hmm. And yeah, basically the shtick here is, how do you escape from a prison that you can't see? Or maybe you get help from some people who aren't there. Okay, interesting. Um, first I'm going to ask you just to step away from the lathe of heaven, because if somebody figured out how to permanently incarcerate um, people and still have them do day release labor i'm sure you could find some republican horny enough to reopen alcatraz on the, uh, pretty quickly yeah to be clear it wouldn't have to be a um, wouldn't ha- it wouldn't have to be specifically u.s republican party i can think of many uh, british politicians and a few new zealand politicians who would be right yeah, on true. board with that crap that's that's right and that could be democrats just just to be clear this is this is a with you. This is a this is a multinational slur against certain types of politicians. We're not being Indeed. specific here. We have a global reach. Sorry, please go on. Indeed, the uh, the general um, 
enthusiasm for making the carceral system make it make a any given politician uh, a lot of money is generally scales with that politicians a lot of money so yes also it does sound very much like the well it sounds like a similar situation from the um the movie sleep dealer which has um effectively people having telepresence draw people in mexico having telepresence jobs in the states and it's the increasingly worrying thing that you know oh we've got automated systems it's like well no you've got people who are being paid to do the jobs outside of this country so that so they don't have like the labor conditions or um union access or or any of the like minimum wage things apply to them so they're just offshoring people via an internet connection so yeah that sort of thing that sort of thing could all too easily come about <laughs> noted yes that is that is true but yes so layering on top of the you know making the sort of like shittier version of the matrix but then giving it ghosts yeah okay that's interesting mm. so it, is it going to be a, break, a prison break story i i think it's a prison break story I'd say a weird combination of a prison break and a heist. Because I, if I was doing this game as a as a multi-session game, I would want the players to come to the realization... Players slash characters to come to the realization that they're still in the simulation. I, I would mm. want them to have that moment. And, okay, you can you can prompt that. Because as soon as anybody actually asks a few direct questions of these old guys, like they're not going to come out and say, okay, so this is your net address. But on the other hand, they probably say something along the lines of, yeah, what makes you think you're on the rock? You're not on the rock. Yeah. What makes you think you're moving around? Break out of the prison of your own mind. Yeah. Thus that line of, you know, how do you escape from a prison you can't see? You get help from somebody who isn't there. A certain amount of this came from me drastically misunderstanding the trailer to the movie A Monster Calls, because I think when I first saw the teaser for that, I I got a very different idea of what that movie was about. Okay. I've seen neither the trailer or the movie, so... the tr- I mean, it's possibly I just wasn't paying that much attention, but they, the vibe seems to be the idea of a, a kid who is being... Not necessarily hunted or harassed, but certainly has got a monster that is paying an awful lot of attention to them in a terrifying way. But the vibe I got from it was, yes, this is happening because the monster is trying to get the kid to ask the monster for help in solving the kid's problems. This is not really what's going on in the movie. I, I've not seen the movie. Ah, I have right. Wikipedia summary. Right, right. You're thinking it might be sort of badly communicated monsters inc but <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah okay and so this one is a little bit more a mobster calls but yes i did go there and you know i did i did spend some time sort of looking at well, okay gangster gangs where does that come from and a number of sort of the the known cr- organized criminal um organizations at least started in some way as sticking it to the man or some level of citizenry protecting the citizenry. Obviously, mm. it changed very quickly, and it's never likely to change back. But mm. sort of, oh yeah, they were you know like groups of certainly um, Americans and so forth trying to protect their own. That's where all the you know the classic mob type things came out of. Yeah, they evolved a bit. I mean, and, and there's obviously ones that just started in prisons because mm. people were trying to protect one another. But yes. The um, the idea that you might be doing, as you say, a jail uh, a jailbreak slash heist, but the, and the things that you're heisting might be your own bodies, but exactly. also having someone on the inside of the system to know what's going on and or to like say pilot the forklift <laughs> or the uh, you know the um, the delivery drone across the um, the harbour to, to, to accomplish something. Quite, it could be quite interesting. It might actually be like a hacker. And, this, you know, you could definitely, if you wanted to take this slightly out of context of the um, current disgusting castral system, you could put in something like Shadowrun or Cyberpunk. 
make it slightly less to add that that easily chipped veneer of cool robot to it just true so they could that that would be is making it less that'd be making it less confrontational which you know it might actually benefit from being something that is directly pointing the finger at the thing what is horrifying and saying look you need to deal with this because it's uh, it's not right here is something awful you should be paying attention to th- yeah mm. so that that was my gangsters of dreams thing you know quite yeah, cool. what the gangsters are in this context i don't know and to a certain extent i i would be tempted to leave it that way sort of i mean they're clearly not the ghosts of former um, Alcatraz inmates. But they're clearly something. And that something is trying to help, but mm. it's not clear why. Interesting. Yes, that would be a, that would be the next revelation, possibly. Maybe it wants something from you. Maybe it's just really, really nice for whatever reason. Or maybe it just it thinks this, this entire situation is dog shit and wants to, um, to, to, to do something about it. Yeah. Mm. All valid. Cool. That's an interesting idea. I mean, fraught in some aspects, but no, an intriguing one. And well done for f- harking back fully that uh, that entire time. That's pretty impressive. Now the circle is complete. Indeed. This is now just a, a looped podcast where you get funneled back to the first episode to, what, to listen to the entire thing over again. You're trapped doomed forever <laughs> no not really god it's like one of those twister plot novels oh the ones where the the, the page number isn't correct you just <laughs> need a yeah. circling a drain or they forget to leave the word end off one of the things and so you just jump to a completely different plot line i have no idea what's going on that only happened <laughs> once yeah yeah tricky to proofread but worthwhile hmm i i tried graphing one of those ones okay i was, I was an easily <laughs> bored child or possibly I was easily a boring child. You presumably had access to a lot of graph paper, so... Yeah! Oh, just, yeah, I, I do remember there being a lot of scrap paper in my childhood. And indeed looking mm. around me in my adulthood. Yeah. Since I, I have been able to determine that I go through about 250 sheets of uh, standard printer paper per year for work purposes. If only because it took about two years to run out of the block of paper I bought when I started working from home. Wow. So, um, speaking of scrap, shall we talk about the uh, future of the big red couch now? <laughs> wow! <laughs> then we just jump in there and uh, defeat your... Um... <sighs> ah, okay, let me just put some ice on this burn and... Uh, uh... You know, let me sort of get away from your obviously unhealthy uh, re- revolt against the paperless office. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. And there's, yeah. Look, sitting in a, an Azure DevOps board somewhere as one of the, one of the tasks on a, a project is a photo of multiple sheets of paper taped end to end when I was trying to work out this particular process. And so every time I got to the bottom of the paper, I just attached another sheet of paper. So it's about five long. I sort of I stuck that to the wall and took a photo of it and just put it in because I wasn't going to transcribe all that crap. <laughs> as far as I know, it's still in there. And the process worked in my in my defense. Craig B. Mixed media installation. This is what madness looks like. I mean, a little bit, yes. Um, yes, certainly mixed media presentation. Paper, photography, and a ballpoint pen... Uh, and tape. This is why the English historical addressing system is so difficult. <laughs> Screaming at area codes. Yeah. So back to the uh, my my initial uh, derailing. We should tell oh, yes. our, our our valiant and loyal audience what is in store. Right now, we're not sure. As, as has been stated previously by Ben, this is not me blaming Ben, though if any fo- blame is to be laid, it, it, it is at Ben's feet, just so that we can. Hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as Ben has said, we have been tinkering around the edges of the format for some time. Some of that stuck, some of that hasn't. But 
this seemed like a good a time as any to figure out, okay, what what do we want second edition Big Red Couch to look like? And even that we wanted to take a breath and f- we also know that we need to take a pause to actually figure out what we want the goals to be. Because as we stated previously, the th- our thesis has been, can we make a podcast? Yes. People are terrible and don't make games about the things they want to for the because they feel uninspired. It's been completely disproven, so we kind of need to come up with a new shtick. It might resemble the old shtick quite a lot. <laughs> it may, in fact, be the, the same thing. But we'd like it'd be nice to have a goal, and we need some time without the podcast coming out on even its you know, pretty generous turnaround to step back and think about that. Maybe do a little, uh, a little bit of something else. Mm. And so I guess stuff to expect. I certainly plan to do some level of this is what I did on my holes uh, Gen Con report. Mm-hmm. Always popular. Indeed. Whether that will be in the, the, con- the form of something recorded or just something I've written down is unclear at this point. If it is recorded, um, don't expect it there to be that much editing. Throwing that out there. So there's that. Hmm. I want to try my hand at doing some blog posts and some little things discussing what about games that I enjoy and and doing, actually trying to formalise some of the very hazy ideas that I've been laying out over the years. And they, 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 they do have a certain... There, there is a pattern to them. I have not actually sat down and turned it into like a philosophy or a thesis statement or anything like that. So the idea of trying to sort of sit down and, and hammer that into like something, it's not something I do on the rig. I normally make excuses for why piece of software A is not talking to piece of software B in a, in a corporate weasel words that doesn't blames as few people as possible. So the passive voice is your friend. Yes, yes, it is going to be a bit of an adventure. And yes, so we will try and sort that out as a bit of difference. And yeah, we will uh, have to set ourselves some guidelines so it doesn't ramble off into the never-never. But yes, we will figure out our new schedule. Punch up the webpage a little bit, maybe? Yes, I mean, the website is is the finest thing that I could create in 2013. So it could probably do with some zhuzhing up. (laughs) It made for only the finest CSS. (laughs) It did. It wasn't quite handcrafted HTML, but um, I mean, that was an option at one point. I have built websites that way. They were terrible. And yes, so basically we're not, we're not 100 on what, what second edition will look like. And we're certainly not 100 on what the stuff that happens in between the editions hmm. will look like. But yes, keep, keep tuned to this channel and we'll let you know how it's proceeding. Um, and yeah, if the, uh, you can't run Kickstarters for ideas meaningfully, because I think money would just, the idea of money or being beholden to anybody would be lethal and drive all, both of our anxieties through the roof. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about things and see if we can spin some of these wacky notions we've had into a new format slash things you do. And that's, that's really about it, I suspect, unless, unless there's anything uh, we've forgotten. I don't think so. So uh, There's no um, what's on next week. There's uh, no, nothing to vote for. The uh, time is now a flat circle and, and spins endlessly off into the void. So uh, Lockdown's been tough on us all. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes, thank you everybody for, um, for having listened to us over the years. Indeed. This is... To be clear, not a pod fade. Just wanted to make that point. This is a defined ending point on the season. Or the um, the, the edition. It is not a pod fade. Ha! That is a nice use of the uh, technical... <laughs> the, the technical nature of, of these things. But yes. So, for, thank you for your, your contributions, your listening. We hope brought some small amusement in our capering and japes along the way and yes hope to see you next time when the next time comes to be for the second edition and yes we may need some play testers but uh you know marketing illegal like you sign ndas and probably scuba your eyes because they're, they're like that and indeed 
thank you to Terry and John for providing those last two prompts. If the mystery box returns, we're sure we will we'll see it graced by your uh, mighty contributions in the future. Though again, that is a mystery that will be solved and revealed at a later date. Ah yes, the future. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future podcasts such as this will affect you in the future. Thank you. Do you mean Craigwell? <laughs> Very sage. Mm. And with that, thank you and good night. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.